this passage from Romans, this is where I want to start today, that maybe you've heard, maybe not. Uh, and this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. It's a church he did not start. Um, and he's trying to explain to them this person of Jesus and who he was and kind of give them part of the Jewish history. And he goes all the way back to the beginning. He starts talking about Adam. So this is in Romans chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 12. And he's writing to this group of new Christians who've come to faith in, in Jesus, but he's trying to give them some more uh, meat and potatoes uh, type of teaching here. And so this is what it says. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. That's just a stellar way to begin a verse, right? Just a real big upper there. Not, not at all. Um, but then he says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. He's basically saying death has been a part of the story from the beginning in this screwed up, broken world that, that we have, whether there were commandments telling us what to do or not, or there was a law to guide us, death and sin has always been a part of the story. So he says in verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of, of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. And I mean, that, that part, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. Does anybody know what it's, lived like, what it's like to live with condemnation? I, I mean, probably a couple of you, probably. Um, does anybody know what that's like? Uh, this is the, the reason why we end most of our services, nearly every service. Sometimes we put it at the beginning or in the middle, but we usually end our service with communion. That's why we do that, because we're around Jesus' table uh, for a reason, because you and I, we all struggle with condemnation every single day from ourselves and from others. And so Paul is addressing that type of thing in our hearts and in our minds and our emotions. Um, and so he says... Uh, he says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if, if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness uh, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And so Paul is on a rabbinical roll here. There's this sin and the sin brings this, but then there was this gift and then there was this sin and then there was Jesus and then there's this Adam and then there's this Christ. And it's like this premier boxing match and out comes some seemingly awesome fighter like sin or the law or whatever on one side, and it seems unbeatable. It's like, this is the guy who always wins. And then this huge, unbeatable fighter steps out on, into the ring, and he just looks confident, and you just know he's going to win. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about Jesus is that ultimate fighter that comes in, that great warrior that comes in on this side and says, I've got this, all this stuff that, that is eating us up, uh, our sin and our struggles and everything like that. Jesus says, I can, I, can, I can beat that. I'm the one who can beat that for you. So it goes on and says, God's 
God's, uh, I love that part where it says, God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And it feels like Paul is repeating himself. Does it feel like that to you? Well, he is. Um, he's saying it over and over to kind of get it through. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where the sin increased all the more. We've talked about that in, in other places. Paul uses this word like hyper grace. There's grace, then there's sin, and then, and then Paul says Jesus hyper graced us basically. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. I read all this, I know that's kind of a lengthy, very deep, repetitive passage, but I want to read that to you in light of what we talked about two weeks ago, it, because it's just a, it's, it makes me wonder if since the beginning of time, God has looked at our sin and it's hurt him and it's given him pain. He knew, and he knew that it would cost him. But I wonder if God's response the whole time has been, my love's got that. My, my love has that. All the things that we do and all the, all the trouble that we get up to. Like, I don't think God is on the edge of the seat, biting his nails and worrying and going, you know, about all the things that we are, have done, are doing, and are going to do. Is he's not surprised by it. I think he looked at all the chaos of human history. It's like he can take the whole thing and go, yeah, I see it right there because he's God. And, and he's like, I can cover that. I can cover that. Uh, and I'm going to rest on Saturday like we talked about two weeks ago because I know that Sunday is coming and I know that I got this covered. So I wonder if God looked at everything that we would ever cook up and all of this destruction and everything that we struggle with. And he's like, I've got this. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, my love is bigger than that. Whatever that that is for you. And I think about the mom in this story. Uh, she's such a great example for us. What I love about this story from, from John 19, Mary, and, and we went to, you know, starting in Lazarus and then Jesus on the cross and that awful weekend at the end of Passion Week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mary kind of covers covers the whole depth and breadth of everything for us. She's got the grief. She's got the, the motherhood, the parenthood, the despair, the rage, the confusion. And you know what she does because she's Jewish? Saturday is Sabbath. From, from Friday night till Saturday night, it's Sabbath. So what does she do even though her son has died on the cross? What does she do? She rests not instead of despairing and not instead of grieving. She rests and she grieves. She rests and she laments. She rests and she's confused. She rests and she despairs. Do you hear me? Resting doesn't negate all of those other things, but she also just chooses to sit there. And I'm amazed that she doesn't just go down and beat down the door of the tomb and get a mob of people to roll that stone away and, and, and go, I know it's Saturday and I know I'm supposed to rest and, and give and follow God's instruction, but I'm gonna anoint my boy. And I'm floored by that because the story says she, she waits. She waits a whole day, you know? It's Saturday, uh, but I'm anointing my boy. She doesn't say that. She doesn't do that. Nobody would blame her if she wanted to do that. Would you? Would I? No, we wouldn't blame her. We'd be like, yeah, take a Saturday off from Sabbath. But she doesn't do that. She says, I'm going to trust 
in what God has put before me. I'm going to rest today. And I bet that was the most unrestful rest. I bet that was the most unrestful rest, the most unrestful Sabbath that she probably ever had. And yet she rested. And because of that, you know what she got to see, not in the John passage, that was probably another Mary, but in the Gospels, in the other Gospels, she was in the group. And you know what she got to see Sunday morning, don't you? She got to see her boy resurrected. I wonder, like, I don't know, I don't know what you've brought with you as you're watching this message this morning or this weekend or whenever you're watching it, whenever that is. But I know that most of us have all kinds of stuff that we're dealing with. We're bringing all kinds of stuff to this moment right now. Sometimes it's buried beneath and underneath um, all kinds of other stuff. And sometimes it's right up on the surface and sometimes we're wearing it on our sleeves and other times we're just like, I know that's there, but I'm gonna pretend like it's not or we're just flat out denying it. Um, we bring all kinds of rebellion. We bring all kinds of questions. We bring all kinds of sin. It's like a, in our culture today, you can't even say that word anymore, but we're gonna say it. We bring all kinds of sin. We bring all kinds of struggle uh, and grief. Some of us are even bringing victory and celebration, um, but a lot of us aren't, a lot of us don't. And you've brought it with you to this moment. I don't know what it is that you've brought with you, um, but I wonder if we can learn something um, from that passage and from Jesus's mom. And whatever it is that you're dealing with, bring it. And bring it and lay it at the feet uh, of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. And say, God, I have no I have no idea what you're doing with this. I don't know what you want to do with it. But what I do know is that you look at it and you go, you look at whatever it is that we're struggling with, God, and you look at it and you go, I've got that. I've got that. And listen, I know some of you out there are watching this and you're dealing with massive mistakes and you're dealing with betrayal. And Jesus looks at it from the vantage point of the cross. And he says, I've got that. I've got that. My love is so much bigger than that. It's going to cover that. And I know some of you are going, even my, yeah, yeah, whatever that is, even that, even that stuff. The cross says, I've got that. And that's what the good news is. That is what Jesus is up to on the cross as part of this epic story. So let's end our time with a couple of implications here, a few implications. Um, and if you forgot what we talked about two weeks ago, you might want to go back and revisit that, uh, which was basically the first part of this one-two punch on what Jesus is doing when it comes to death and sin and what he's doing in that Holy Week and what's going on in and through him on the cross, as Paul tries to explain that to us. Um, but implication number one is this. God has always invited humankind to trust his love for us, his creation. From Genesis 1 through today, uh, July of 2020, God has always invited us to trust this, to trust what he's up to, to trust his story. And that has never changed, and it never will. And it's, it's never been different. God will always look at you and me, and he will say, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're going through, I love you more than that. I love you more than that. Just trust me. And that trust leads to true Sabbath rest, whether you're Jesus in a tomb and it's Saturday, 
because you know what's coming, whether you're married at home and you're struggling and you're confused and you're angry and you're upset, whether you're Peter, the denier, who's like, my whole world has just been destroyed. It doesn't matter who you are. If you can trust how God loves you and how big his love is for you, it will lead to the ability to rest in the midst of everything that you bring to the table. The second implication, um, I would, I would like to direct your attention to another verse in Scripture, Paul writing to the church in Galatia. So in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, there's this line he has where he says, At just the right time in history, God sent Jesus. The, the, the Greek there actually says, at, in, the, in the fullness of time, which I take to mean at just the right moment. At just the right moment, God sent Jesus. Jesus came to show us the full extent of God's love. And I don't know exactly what God's perspective is, but according to Galatians, God looked at the history of humanity and he looked at the timeline and he said, right now, right now, now is the perfect moment. Go and show them how big my love is. And that continues on to this day. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, right now he can meet you. Right now, he can show you how big his love is for you. The third implication is simply that God has always known how his love stacks up against sin. It's much bigger. God has always known this. What's the verdict? What is the verdict out on God's love versus sin? Yeah, the verdict is there's no contest. So I want to tell you that um, God's love is so much greater than whatever it is you struggle with. And that's what the cross tells us. I'm gonna end with this question uh, for you. Will you allow yourself to find true Sabbath rest in the love that was displayed on the cross? If I were to boil down everything we've talked about in these, in these previous two weeks, this is what I would say. The cross is how much God loves you. The cross is how much God loves you, his love is that amazing, is that reckless, and it's for us.